0: Formal service resumes for Nick Kyrgios. Ban for tanking. Tim Cahill's super strike worth millions for the A-League. The big names flying the coop at the Hawks. Michael Clarke still swinging hard in his new hook. New surfing world champion Tyler Wright joins us. And pumper Jim Cassidy is our special guest ahead of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. The show that takes the big issues head on. This is Backpage Live.
1: Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up.
2: They
3: think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. is a dog. I got punched in the back of the head regularly.
0: It's just unfortunate. It was from the coach. Hi, buddy! Welcome to the show. We've got footy, cricket, horses, tennis, tools. We've got it all this week. Let's get into it with Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Welcome to you both. So much to talk about, so little time. Jewel Schiller and Mark Bosnich. Good evening,
1: Squizzy. How are you? Hello. Very well, thank you. Sir, nice. talk,
0: sir talks a lot. All right, Bosnich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we love that. You have that yeah, that See, we didn't have this in the meeting, guys. <laughs> this <laughs> did not come out of the meeting. <laughs> You're proving him wrong. Yeah, yes, right. that, he's off. Awesome. <laughs> And,
0: fabulous, he's off. and he's off. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, save the was, attack. Was actually told us to ignore him, <laughs> uh, but how can we? Nick Kyrgios's tennis year has us, something of a hole in it, suspended by the ATP for his poor behaviour in Shanghai last week. Originally eight weeks kill. That's a big move. Is it the right move?
4: It is the right move. I like what they've done. Finally, it's taken a while. Eight down to three if he sees a sports psychologist. So, basically, they're suspending him and they're helping him at the same time, and he's left with an incentive. If you can go and get your mind right and get yourself right or at least attempt to get yourself right, you can come back in time for the Australian Open. So he really was backed into a corner in a sense. He um, didn't have a choice but to accept this. He's got a long so way he, to go. So he's officially
0: said he will take the sports he, psychologist option for three weeks?
4: Tennis Australia released a statement saying that he will take the three weeks and he will see a sports psychologist, Jules.
5: Yeah, I think we should start calling him <clears throat> Mr Whippy because he, he doesn't mind a soft serve, <laughs> 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 Red things are down. Uh, but, I mean, are we, I mean, are we... Everyone's saying that he's in trouble and we get, should get psychologists. He's still rude and he's still abrasive. Like, he's... I don't know where he needs help, is he just needs some education about how to treat people decently. Well,
1: that is help. This is the best thing like hell that can happen to him. Now, when I said about ignoring, that's what I'm talking about, well, really, with the Australian media. Obviously, you can't ignore things that happen there. Um, Because I think he, deep down, Todd Rubidge said this uh, just recently, he wants to be liked. Well, if he keeps going like this, the Australian public aren't going to like him. So he definitely does need some help. And I think it's the best thing that could happen for him. Have a bit of a break outside the game, Crash. Have a look at it. Step outside and maybe get... A mentor. Now, I know he's rejected quite a few people, the Pat Cashers, people like that, to, to be a mentor, but he really does need somebody who tr- truly cares about him. He's not worried about everything around to, yeah. turn around to sit him down to say, look, listen, buddy, if you keep going down this but, road, yeah. this is what's going to happen.
3: But I still think he's going nowhere mentally until he gets harder physically. Mm. I mean, if his body keeps going on him, it, his mind will follow. But it's not a hard suspension, boys. Everyone's yeah. saying, wow, he's been banned three weeks. If he tried that on in a team sport for Australia, he'd never play for his country again. He'd <laughs> just be thrown out. Absolutely. Oh, look,
0: I love the tanking. So many times I've played a game of tennis, I've done the little serve and walked. Look, kids come close <laughs> to the screen. OK, let's see, mm. Uncle Tony. If you can't win, rob your opponent of all the joy in victory. That's <laughs> <we're doing. laughs> yeah, Go to bed.
3: But, but, Tony, you joke about it, but it's a fair point. If you looked at Curios' quotes in Isolation... And say, who did these come from? You'd swear it came from a 12 yep. year old. That's about the level of
0: maturity, Kel. Yeah, Seriously. I
4: mean, well, he's a boy playing in a man's world, isn't yeah. he? That's, yeah. He carries on like a boy. So he, and, and he's so disrespectful. Kel,
0: that's so right, and it's not just the disrespect towards the media as well. Let's have a listen because naturally the media did ask him if he thought his behaviour was indeed disrespectful. Here's what he had to say.
5: Like, I don't owe him anything. Like, it's my choice. If you don't like it, I don't ask you to come watch, just leave. If you're so good at giving advice and so good at tennis, why don't you, why, why aren't you as good as me? Why aren't you on the tour? Nick, Nick. Well, that's your choice. You want to buy a ticket, come watch me. You know what? I'm unpredictable. It's your choice. Wouldn't you like to just, no, no, just, no. just put the theme for Braveheart mm. under that? Just <laughs> <laughs> to, to inspire you? <laughs> yes. What I like, love is you don't owe me, I don't owe you anything yeah. you know, I bet he put an invoice in for that match <laughs> no. and you've got paid, what, $58,000 mm. for it? Of course he owes us something.
1: No, no. I, look, I don't, look, to be fair, I think he, we, he doesn't owe us anything. But you know who owes? He owes himself and his family. But this is really is getting out of control. And this is why I think the break, regardless of how, this is a warning shot. All right, this is like eight weeks, I like go down to three weeks, but the next one will be even more and even more. And at the end of the day, he's still number fourteen in the world. But if you want to really break into that top ten, This is a crucial point for him.
0: A man who did that and also had some behaviour problems, of course, with John McEnroe, and he's been highly critical of Kyrgios in his commentary of late. Now, it turns out he was the last player to cop a suspension. That was back in 1987. This is him actually uh, at his best or worst at the Australian Open just three years later. Just a little bit of intimidation there. The thing about John McEnroe, uh, and he was disqualified from this game, the thing about him is he was never in danger of tanking. Everything he did was to either intimidate his opponent or build himself up.
3: That's right. They're polar opposites, aren't they? Kyrgios to lose, McEnroe to win. But, hey, Tony, what does this say about tennis's disciplinary standards that basically 30 years since the last ban... I mean, every second week we have footage on the show of some barbaric act by a tennis player... And no-one's even copped a week?
4: Yeah. I mean, in 30 years? It's a great point when you consider Serena Williams threatened a a Lions woman with shoving a tennis ball down her throat with a few expletives in there and and copped a fine for that. So I I think every tennis bad boy has been able to mature or mellow eventually. Uh, John McEnroe probably mellowed in his later years. Mm. So there's still time for him, but he's 21, Tony. He's been on the tour for three years. If the penny doesn't drop now... He'll be playing at the Australian Open. If he carries on like a pork chop, the fans are just going to boo him. At least
5: All if he right. tanks in the Australian Open, he gets some
0: draft picks early on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He, he may be naughty, but he didn't deliberately hurt a ball kid. Uh, well, neither really did uh, Vasek Pospisil. Oh. Look at this, though. This The serve oh. comes through and bang. Now, look at this the little kid. Uh, it, to be oh, prepared, no, it's thanks. a bit sad. Ooh. Just Ooh. hits him in the belly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go in close. Oh, no. Yeah. no oh, no. I know. Add insult to injury. Look, here's a sweaty wristband, <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me the money, creep. <laughs> Tough up. <laughs> oh. Toughen oh. Up. I love it. All right, look, let's move on. In terms of immediate impact, it doesn't get a whole lot better than Timmy Cahill's
1: A-League debut. He'll probably never score, Boz, a better A-League goal than his first. Well, you know what? I wouldn't put anything past him. I can't praise him enough. You know, since a young age, he's always been told he's too small. Uh, he's not good enough, he's this and that and the other. I mean, even before he went to Everton at Millwall crash, right? When David Moyes, the manager of Everton, and the chairman, Bill Kenwright, come to watch him, they didn't come to watch him play. They come to watch another play and they saw him. And the the boy, or man, whatever you want to call him, keeps on producing. This is not the first time he scored an absolute... This is world-class. And I think the biggest compliment... Uh, that was paid to him by, by John Van Schip, who's his manager, who played with the late, great Johan Cruyff, has said that he reminded him of him when he come back to AX. So I, I can't, like I said, praise him enough. He just continues to produce. He's got telly movie written all over him now, Tim Carr, doesn't he? After that goal and what you were saying
5: about no-one thought he could do it. I mean, mm. he's, every, every moment of his career, everything he's touched has well, turned to gold. And I knew the Hawks were gone in the AFL finals when he turned out in the Bulldogs' scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Tim Cale touches turned to gold. But he's...
4: I mean, I know we're going early, but he's already repaid the A-League in spades, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, experiencing the Melbourne media over the last 48 hours... Mm. He has... I'm with you, Bozza. Yeah, I mean, produces. I can't speak highly enough of him. He's mm. a freakish athlete on the pitch and mm. he delivers in those big moments. But Offit, he's embraced this role as almost really a, an instant spokesperson. Yeah, 100%. He, he's been, you know, back-page papers. He's been, done every radio station. He, well, he understands his And social media.
5: Mm. I follow him on Snapchat and Instagram. He's constantly posting mm. messages to fans of him getting massages and in cars. He's a... Like, He's, he constantly communicates and with his fans. He
1: does, and look, all that is well and fine, but it's, it's kind of like, you know you, can have, you know, you can go to a restaurant and people can say, we've got, you know, we've got this and we've got that and we've got fire shooting outside, but if the food's not good, it doesn't really make a difference. He does all that, but he, he talks the talk and he walks the walk and he did it again. And So he know, can cook so, as well. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but, like, you, know, like, you know, for me, the silence of the crowd told a massive story when he hit that goal. I know three-quarters of the crowd, obviously, Melbourne victory supporters, but it was stunning. It was absolutely it was stunning great, and fair play to him.
0: great, exciting moment in sport, all right, from our was-that-really-necessary department. We have Perth Glory's Chris Harold. Now, look, he's setting himself for a, a throw-in, obviously. It's <laughs> important to break through the wall of cheerleaders. <laughs> so we can walk back to the exact same spot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> was was really that a long, long run, long run long. up or short <laughs> run up? I don't know. If there
5: is a free kick, they needed to an actual wall. Wouldn't you love the chippers <laughs> curl it around them?
1: <laughs> right. uh.
0: We love Timmy Cahill's strike, obviously. But what about this one from Elise Kelland Knight? Boz, talk us through. This is not bad either, is it? Look at that. That's fantastic. Yeah. She's you know one what? of
1: our
4: Matildas midfielders playing uh, in Germany, Bozzer. Yeah,
1: absolutely fantastic. You know what, Kel? Today I was reading the story about how FIFA are going to um, put the two thousand and nineteen World Cup Women's uh, up to rights, the TV, because it's actually getting that big. It's the fastest-growing sport in Australia and probably arguably one of the fastest-growing sports in the world, so well done to them all. She also has produced some great
0: assists during her career, like this one helping Lisa uh, Devana with a drink bottle. (laughs) <laughs> it's just great teamwork <laughs> all the <laughs> <way. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, time. <laughs> <isn't he? laughs> <He> is It's <great. laughs> All right, a bit of history at the weekend with Bob Bradley becoming the first American to manage a Premier League team. Uh, his Swansea City side. They did lose to Arsenal in his first game in charge, mm. boss.
1: They have American owners, I guess, which is a big reason why he's yes.
0: there. But it's interesting that it's happened.
1: Well, it is. And, and you're right. Yes, they have American owners, and it will be arguable whether or not, if they say, for example, if they had European owners, whether they would have employed him. But this is a reward for hard work. And, and also the fact that a lot of these second-rate football or so-called second-rate footballing nations all around the world, they're getting better and better and better. And I think this is not only massive for the Premier League, but it's actually massive for the likes of Ansh Postecoglou, yeah. because if someone like Bob Bradley goes to Swansea and does very, very well, it's going to open up the doors for all these countries, that, like I said to you, that are not known as world footballing powers, to have some of their coaches employed over there. That would be great for everyone. Has
0: Ange got the... Uh, what, the he title? has.
1: He has. Look, when you first go over there, it's, it's the same as a player, especially when you come from a, a country that's not recognised as being a footballing impact. You have to prove yourself. And, and it can be very, very harsh in that dressing room. But it's like with anything. If you've got the goods, Ange Postacoglu has got the goods... And you start producing, they got no other they got no other choice but to respect you and but to give you a go. Maybe Donald Trump could get involved, make West Ham great again. <laughs> 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 Just see him. Bradley's uh, EPL debut,
0: though, it's a great excuse to show this NBC promotion, which showed the steep learning curve facing an American coaching in the Premier League.
1: My name's Ted Lasso. I'm new head coach for Tottenham Spurs. Football is football, no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats, and you got helmets with masks on. Them. Kick it! Circle them up, have them put on their pads, and let's start playing for real. They're wearing their pads, coach. There you go, tackle them. What the hell is that? That's not a tackle. It's just sliding around. Soccer tackle, sir. Oh, right there, Gary. That's how you tackle. Will you explain to me how that was offside? No, I'm asking you. Seriously, explain offside to me. It made no sense. I'm starting to understand why these scores are so low. Look how tiny these goals are. Those are practice goals, coach. He knocked in that ball with his head. Is that legal? Totally legal. Hey, that's. Wow, three points. No points. No points, why not? It's gotta go in. Come on, Rob! You gotta get it in there to get three points. One point. They got, like, an application for a phone. I can learn the rules. One second here. Oh, nope. I got fired.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, in, in many sports, uh, coaches communicate with their troops through runners. Now, at Huddersfield, the instructions came written on a scrap of paper handed to the players directly, which was just too big a temptation. Uh, as you see here, look, I've got to go to the left oh. and I go to the right. Whoop! Oh. The... <laughs> <laughs> that was,
1: uh, uh, that was <laughs> tremendous. it was a <laughs>
5: <laughs> the coach's Wi-Fi password as well. So all... <laughs> oh, that was outstanding. What would you
1: possibly write on a bit of paper that you couldn't it, it, communicate, Bozer? Well, where well, we you want the guy to play and who you want it. him to concentrate on, basically. Ever happened to you, Boz? Game point no. stolen? Or... No, no. But I've had people like runners come over and tell you to do this or to do that or whatever, but not a piece of paper. No, that's been something that's come in, come in probably the last, I would say, last five, ten years, I would oh, say. I love it.
0: All right, now this goal from Poland against Denmark uh, was as uh, spectacular as Timmy Cahill's. Uh, as you can see here, just a little clever, uh, looping header comes in. Sadly, oh. he's, he's a defender and that's his own goal. It is. Oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all can,
1: all say, yeah, all I can say for him, lucky they went on to win that game. I uh, well, it would have been big be problems if they did it. They're second place in Group F and they're World, I think it's Group, yeah, Group F or Group B and their World Cup qualifiers doing very well. But uh, I don't think he would have had much of an international future if they'd lost Is that the game. header own goal the worst of the own goals? Yeah, p- pretty much so. Pretty much so. There's no good own goal, Tony. No.
0: Well, it that. doesn't get much more embarrassing than heading the own goal, I reckon, which is why we've reached into the archives to show you some more classics uh, of the variety. Start with uh, some keeper own goals oh, Wow! Off the head. That's the keeper on the ground. And boom, straight back in. Oh, Beautiful work. This guy had some help, though, from the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> but, <whoop. laughs> now, this is actually Gareth Bale getting hit in the face by his teammate, Whack and straight in it goes.
1: Similar. I wonder what Ted, oh. Ted Lasso would have said about that. <laughs> <Similar>.
0: <laughs> oh. You try so hard to get This could be the most painful effort, that's just a punch from the goalkeeper, uh, into his own player. And see the face. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, this is uh, my favourite from a long time ago. The (laughs) The ice could kick into your own face uh, and into the goal. Watch (laughs) closely. Just gold. Thank you so much. All right. The Squires family motto is near enough is good enough, which is why we love the Lineas Football Club in Argentina, who have played on this pitch. For 30 years. There you go. It's like an Escher picture, isn't it? Like with all the angles and... It's brilliant. Now, apparently, because, like, stupid Google Earth came across and taken the photograph and they've been forced to change, to change it, it. Can you
1: believe it? Modern technology, eh?
0: <laughs> but if you're playing that, you know... you Android. can't do it on that, you can't do it on anything. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Incredibly, there was a Victorian Premier cricket game over the weekend where the pitch was eight feet or 2.4 metres too long. This is Harry (laughs) Trot Oval, yeah, uh, in Albert Park, marked out incorrectly in a game between St Kilda and Footscray-Edgewater, and they played the entire game the pitch two metres too long. Tony, this has caused massive discussion. I mean,
3: it's all sorts of subplots. Like, two batsmen were run out, they're absolutely filthy. <laughs> <laughs> batsmen who were given big raps by their teammates saying he's got so much time. Oh. <laughs> Does, is this guy Mark War reinvented, <laughs> you know what I mean? Complete frauds. But 2.4... Like, sometimes swimming pools are six inches long and people notice it. 2.4 metres, Come I don't on. think... I'll tell you how long that is because I just oh, happened to... I hope you haven't just tuned in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, look, we've got to make this point. Kel, take this and, and just keep going until we hit 2.4. Renovation. Heard that
1: any,
0: <laughs> wow. any
3: cricketer who is watching this... There it is. There it is. OK. Can we have a graphics department? Uh, now, just... We? I'll stand up. The people <laughs> at home
0: are loving this. <laughs> yes.
3: Why is that so? But uh, that is how long it was, extra length. And no-one said anything until the end of the game. I mean, that's extraordinary. The poor little leg spinner was going... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is ridiculous, isn't it? Like... I think
3: the batsmen breasts are messing each other whether to run or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a beautiful little story, and the poor company who's contracted to do the wicket said it'll never happen again, you know. Next time it might just be a metre or so. You know. right, take your tape measure back, rain yes,
0: man. <laughs> <coffee>. <laughs>
5: I'm
0: not convinced uh, either by that or by the fact Michael Clark, I'm not convinced he and Shane Watson will be sharing pre-Christmas drinks after the release of the former Skipper's book. Now Clark clarified his medical opinion of his teammate during a 60 Minutes interview on Sunday.
2: I said that there is a number of
0: players or a group in this team at the moment that are like a tumour. And if we don't
2: fix it, it's going to turn into a cancer. Was
4: Shane Watson one of those players you were talking
0: about? Shane was one of those players, yes.
4: Do you think your players liked you when you were captain?
0: (sighs) I don't think that's... I don't think I can answer that.
4: You've got to have some
0: idea. I, I know they respect me as their captain. Now, oh, there you go. So not a cancer, but a, a tumour, which is not surprising. I guess many of these things we've known about, but to see him talking about it right there was good.
3: Yeah, well, Watson and Clark were born two months apart. They grew up very similar backgrounds, boys who wanted the same thing, and the world wasn't big enough for both of them. And I think they became very disenchanted with each other's selfishness. It's that simple, I reckon, mm. this story. Of course, there's so many more threads than that. But Michael himself admitted he was a bad vice-captain and the vice-captain is the ultimate sort of place... Team way. man. Team man. And he couldn't do it under Ricky Ponting and that hurt him. There was 30 debut- uh, 20 debutantes played for Australia when Michael was vice-captain. Six played one test, Kel. And, and, and the, the, the vice-captain's got such a crucial role. He, he's the dressing room sort of conjurer and, and puts everyone at ease. So, so yeah, it's, it's a sad fallout. It was a stressful time. The greats had retired, Warner McGrath. Standards were... They were struggling to live up these standards. So those two boys, to give them credit, were under a lot of pressure.
4: For a team sport at the elite level, cricket is such an individual sport. Yeah.
3: Well, it's just so brutally analysed. Your stats yeah. are your stats. And money's changed everything. Honestly, in the old days, tours of India, uh, at England, back in the 50s, everyone's mates. You know, contracts are worth two million
5: dollars. It's changed everything. Has cricket become bitchier? It, I mean, I've seen episodes of The Bachelor that are less bitchy than all this <laughs> stuff that's going on. You know, the Caddo incident, the leaving the New Zealand. Inc- you know, the, it's full of incidents and busts yeah, up but, but and are you know, like you. And it was Haydos's
4: it's it's last. And political, case, then, isn't it? No, it's it's very. Is and we're just hearing more about it now. When or has it
3: come worse? Three words. I can explain it. When you lose. I remember talking to Colin Croft about the great West Indian teams and he said, you know what our greatest achievement was? Because we were undefeated for 15 years, no-one went looking for any, any scandal. He said, mate, we had times where guys wanted to punch each other out. But who was looking for that sort of story? Yeah. So when
0: you lose, it all comes out. Yeah. Mm. Malcolm Knox has written the book with him, so it will be a, a beauty. And look, and he, was, he played brilliantly as a captain uh, and tactically very astute. Rod Marsh says his job is done as chairman of selectors and he's about to move on from that role. You've said that his job wasn't so well done indeed, Craig.
3: No, I thought he struggled.
0: From the moment he he took the job... He's not a bit
3: old-fashioned. Have a look at that. (laughs) (laughs) And the dinner seat. (laughs) But, look, I I just felt Rod struggled in the big moments. Brad Haddon's retirement. Brad had to go up to him and say, what's happening? In the dressing room in England, he left test selections unnervingly late. The poor old Marsh boys, who were so nervous, were sitting there, we in, we in... You know, uh, other stuff. Since since then, the team of Sri Lanka. You know, the Michael Clark. He he fell out badly with Michael. So I, I, I next the next chairman of selectors, the next selector. Must be a younger appointment. I mean,
0: Steve Waugh today said he would, you know, if he was asked, he'd certainly consider it. Jason Gillespie has said the same thing. I mean, I'm not sure how happy Mark Waugh would be if Steve Waugh slid past him to the top. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be a sight.
3: The two wars yes. in the selection meeting. What do you reckon? Yeah, this sounds good. See ya. That, that, <laughs> Meetings
1: should go about 30 seconds. <laughs> and Ricky Ponting as well? Yeah.
3: They'd that, all be good choices for, for different reasons. Stephen's just a great mind on cricket. Ponting's terrific. They're very hard to get. The job plays a couple of hundred grand at the top. Jason Gillespie's a wonderful bloke uh, and very underestimated in everything he's done in his career. The sleeper for me, uh, the smoky, is Chris Rogers. Always an independent thinker, very uh, smart, tough, Technically, to the technically game. Technically blind. Technically. <laughs> sees, sees everything in black and white. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So that's a good start. He, he's be the bloke I'd definitely put a phone call to, but the other guys are terrific as well.
0: Mm. Lots of uh, investigations going on in cricket at the moment. i tell you something that does need investigating. Uh, this bit of fielding by the West Indies in the pink ball test uh, seems straightforward at the start. The, it picks the ball up. <laughs> and then just <laughs> <laughs> and
1: throws into the <laughs> <laughs> This angle's even better. Uh, yeah. Crash, explain that. What's going on? Come on. What, the, what is you know, like, going on? a pink
5: ball for that? <laughs> Surely
0: that's a pink ball. <laughs> that's a pink <laughs> ball's fault, yeah. isn't it? Surely. Can't well, obviously, Pakistan opener, though, Azir Ali, had no trouble seeing the pink ball. He scored an unbeaten 300. And this is the second pink ball test. And as we said, there has been discussions from batsmen and fielders about the difficulty of picking it up. He had no trouble. Oh, I love batsmen, though, Tone. They're so prickly. Like,
3: uh, someone said to Azar, what did you think of it, pink ball? He said, oh, it's sort of hard to see the seam. And he made 300 not out. <laughs> like, you know, thank, thank God he wasn't clean bowled first ball. <laughs> <It was tough laughs> but this was a good test. You know, Pakistan, he scored 300 and Pakistan came within 60 runs of losing the test. So there was virtually no-one in the stands, but it was a step forward to the pink for the pink ball because spinners got wickets, quicks got wickets, and that young lad... Scored 300.
0: Mm. All right, uh, to AFL, Sam Mitchell to the West Coast, Jordan Lewis to Melbourne. What is happening with your Hawks, Jules? Yeah, well, uh, Judas
5: and, Lewis to. Uh, and <laughs> Oz, your team as well. Um, yeah. yeah, like people are deserting the Hawks so quickly. I think mm. even Donald Trump's campaign team is sympathising <laughs> <laughs> with Hawthorne at the moment. Um, it's just, I think, obviously, Hawthorne can only offer them a year. They need to make change, and other clubs want Hawthorne's IP, intellectual mm. property, there, the experience of four Premiership players. So we're, we're giving them away quite cheaply, you might have of the, to say. Part of the
1: clear-out after we're, that golden
5: era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need, you know, they need to regenerate. It's pretty
0: teams. extensive. Clear, you've got uh, some information
5: out of yours. Yeah, well, around. apparently there's been a lot of clear This is the new uh, team for next season. They've just taken the picture. <laughs> 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 that was on social media. Just,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few spots left to fill. <laughs> <laughs> it is brilliant. What do you make of it?
4: Uh, I think it's ruthless. I think they're smart. I think they're ahead of the game. They push the boundaries. Alistair Clarkson's uh, tried to handle it as best he possible ca- possibly can. I think the Sam Mitchell situation's a win-win for everyone, mm-hmm. and that was handled perfectly. They basically are replacing Sam Mitchell with a mini-me and Tom Mitchell, yep. who's nearly 10 years younger. So the fans can't be angry about that. Jordan's fans can. <laughs> Jordan Lewis, maybe a little bit different, probably could have handled it a little better. Um, But at the end of the day, there's no loyalty in footy and players sort of use and abuse the system against the clubs as the clubs do the players these days. All right,
0: well, look, uh, get ready now to see Lewis out of the mud brown and in a Melbourne shirt. Here he is talking about uh, his chat with Hawks coach Alistair Clarkson. He said there and said, we can't guarantee you anything past 12 months. And that was... I mean, I was
1: fully aware of that. Um, No, I wasn't insulted. I, I was... I think we've built up that respect over time that he can have those conversations with me.
0: Yeah, well, it's been tough for everyone, I think. I picked up my first cold sore for, for the period. A bit, bit of stress involved in this, uh, this last couple of weeks.
5: that's how you get a cold sore. Well, I think he's (laughs) been kissing a lot of butt to get Jager (laughs) 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 He's He's got the cold sore. I'm sorry, Clarko. I'm sorry.
0: Well, they do need
5: Jager O'Margo. After losing Lewis and Mitchell, they desperately need a win.
4: If they don't land him, it could come back to bite them. (laughs)
0: That's right. All right. Bulldogs, uh, Tom Liberatore, is on the loose side, let's be honest. Uh, How better to celebrate a premiership And a trip to Vietnam to get a bad haircut, the fryer tuck there, and play footy with the Vietnam Swans. Are the Bulldogs happy with this turn of events? Uh,
4: No, they're not, Tony, funnily enough. I mean, he is uh, as wild as they get, Tom Liberatore. You talk to those that are, you know, insiders at the club and they say he is a very loose man. So let's not forget he played the entire final series with an ankle injury that was so bad. The Carlton captain, Mark Murphy, Murphy missed pretty much the entire season with a similar injury injury so he is tough on the field but um he he missed all of 2015 with an ACL a serious knee injury so to see him playing footy over there for the what was it, the Vietnam Swan? Do you think they
5: subscribe to the WADA Code, the Vietnam Swan?
0: are yeah. <laughs> a bit of that game. And I wouldn't want to do a drug test on some of those guys. All right, uh, wedding is such a romantic occasion, not just for the bride and groom, in this case Collingwood's Tyson Goldsack and uh, Chelsea Altman, but for those attending, like teammate James H seen here looking after his girlfriend, Olympian Morgan Mitchell. He has copped a dead set hammering on social media for that photograph, hasn't he? Yeah, well white pants and tan boots don't go on my <laughs> 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 Other than that, Jules, she didn't have a
5: problem. No. <laughs> yeah, it's all fine. It yeah, Boss is still forever.
1: trying to work out what the problem is. <laughs> no, I've, I've read on social media that she's actually came out and said that she was undercover at that time as well. So I well, think we've got to give them the benefit of that. But she's a note. spy. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still to come, Jim Cassidy joins us. The Kangaroos beat New Zealand. Can the Wallabies do the same? And we wow. revel in the glory with our surfing world champion, Tyler Wright.
2: More this year.
3: Tyler Wright can control her destiny. Everything's in place. All she needs now is paddle out and then just do what she does every day, and that's rip waves to pieces. A first strike here to Tyler Wright on the backhand, she'll get it running, but just getting the job done, keeping the scoreboard ticking, keep her 2016 very focused, wave by wave.
5: We could be crowning a world champion.
3: Courtney Conrogh got an extract, an 8-0-1 from this. She's thrown it all there. She's calling it quits.
2: Ah, there it is. There's a lot of reasons why I set out to, to win this world title this year, and... So many things happened this year, and Owen and my family and my mom, and I just love them so much.
5: <laughs>
0: hey, congratulations, Tyler! Bring it in. We're gonna pass it on. There it is. We'll get more from her later. Indeed, we'll get more from her. Yes, look, she's finished second twice, but now Tyler Wright is the undisputed champ of the surfing world and she joins us from Bells, well from, actually from Torquay Beach, congratulations champ, we saw you at the end of there being excited, talk us through the celebrations of this great event for you.
2: Oh it's, it's been amazing so far, I've got to celebrate so far with family, friends and everyone that I've got to travel with and then I got to come home and celebrate with the people that I love most and that, who I've done it for.
0: It's going off in uh, Shoalhaven. Now, apparently there's even calls for a public holiday in beautiful Colborough Beach. What do you make of that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually heard that a few times now, and, hey, I'd love that. I know the boys would love that. It'd be sick.
5: Tyler, as a surfer, <laughs> do you ever get sick of the beach? I mean, we're interviewing you at your workplace. Do you ever, like, <laughs> relax at an office block or something to take your <laughs> mind
1: off, things? <you? laughs>
2: You know what? I actually love it. It's so surprising. Even when I have time off, I seem to end up at the beach, always. So it's kind of... I roll with it. I love it. Tyler, can I ask you about your relationship
4: with your brother Owen? Particularly in the last year, he suffered that nasty fall at Pipeline, that concussion and bleeding on the brain and, and didn't surf at all this season. Was that a motivation for you when you got in the water or too emotional when you just tried to put it to one side?
2: No, I think it was so emotional that... And so it had such a big effect on me that I, I couldn't block it out. It was just too big a thing in my life that I couldn't block it out. And I think my coach as well saw that and saw how much family means to me and never asked me to. So I think throughout the year, it was definitely... You know, because how, how much he was injured and how heavy it was, it also allowed me to go into my job and realised realise how simple it was and how easy it was to actually do uh, as it wasn't a matter of health. So, it kind of gave me a lot of freedom within my work. Uh, at the same time in my personal life it was definitely a, um, an, emotional, an emotional ride and it's still going and I'm wishing him all the best, always.
1: And Tyler, Lane Beachy was quoted as saying that she was proud as a grandmother with, with your World Championship victory. Can you tell us uh, all about your relationship with her?
2: Yeah, oh, Lane has done so many things for me. I've had so many conversations with her this year that have impacted kind of how I had my mindset and how, you know, I set this year up. And a lot of a lot of the girls have known me since I was very young. So, you know, I think I've known most of them over 10 years now. So a lot of, you know, having Lane there always, and I know she's been in my corner from the start, has been a... A true blessing and I've been, I'm a lucky kid that's all I can say.
3: Tyler it's interesting having two brothers on the surfing circuit as well. Have they made the big concession yet? Have they said to you, you are the best surfer in the family?
2: Uh, no, we had this discussion the other day and they think that's an entire different matter. Like, a <laughs> life and, like, who the best surfer is in the family is completely different and one doesn't affect the other.
0: You've clearly said it's taken some time, I guess, working out whether it was a sport you loved uh, or it was just because you were very good at doing it. This has helped you decide it is, in fact, the sport you love doing?
2: To be honest, no, it was every moment before this moment I think that made me love it more Uh, you know I I came in very young I was 16 uh, when I got on tour and you know at that time you know I felt like my career was so big that I didn't even realize it and it the as the years have gone on the more comfortable I've become in this career and the more I've realized how much I do actually love it and you know it was about a year ago that and that's what it felt like. It felt like I started owning my own career and um, it was a good feeling. So it's, it's been easy this year. It's been simple and, you know, from, it's all from those moments. So.
0: Well, it feels good for the rest of the country as well. Congratulations. You are a deserving world champion. Thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, what a terrific performance from her. And what a terrific performance from the Kangaroos in New Zealand in the new uh, rugby league heartland of Perth. <laughs> <laughs> they just love it over there. It was a great performance, though, given that the Kiwis are ranked above the Kangaroos at the moment. They picked a huge forward pack. Left edge with Greg Inglis and Valentine Holmes looked real good. Yeah, Valentine Holmes, I always think of Michael Ennis saying he's born
3: to be a star. One of these guys, the higher the competition, the better he'll play. And we joke about the Heartland, Tony, but there is room for a rugby league team in Perth. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Well, Boz, Mark Geyer, who used to play with the Western Reds, mm. he's been saying it for year after year. Mm. He said it was there when we played there. Then you why, can... why the delay? Oh, well, it's just that it, it, the competition takes time to expand. It's, it's happy with the number of games. They'll get there. This was a step forward, but a good old-fashioned test match. Every tackle hurt. And they've scheduled an
4: origin match for Perth, haven't they, in a couple of years' time. So it's it's on the radar.
0: They will get there. It had everything that game, as I said, including the compulsory high or late (laughs) shot on Jonathan Thurston. It has to happen. It's written to every script. There he goes. He just cops it week after week. I mean, he's a great playmaker, Mm. the best player in the world. He gets up. He just seems unaffected by it, but he is targeted, surely. Mm. Completely. Look, there was some, some... something of a roofless action there from Jared Wairia Hargreaves uh, in that but, one, but every week it happens.
3: Well, people say refs protect him, but the trouble is they can really only act after the damage is done, mm. And but there's no tougher player in the game. And a non-winger too, like he just gets up and goes.
0: They look good for the Four Nations indeed. All right, the Wallabies haven't beaten the All Blacks at Eden Park for 30 years. Uh, that's where they face up on Saturday. Prospect coach Michael Checker seems bizarrely relaxed about.
1: I would bring it on. It's a great opportunity, and and um, uh, it's going to be a tough environment. But that's where you want to be. If you don't want to be there playing those games, where do you want to be in? Place? It's no, no good to have it all comfortable and and rosy. When it's tough is when you've got to stand up, and it'll certainly be tough there. But I, I know I, am so looking forward to getting over there and getting in. It. It'll be great. <laughs> it's like the bloke in the
0: trenches in World War One. Can't wait to go over the chat <laughs> tomorrow, what? Well, the rest of
5: the team are in witness protection.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the bookies there. have got them $10 to win that yeah. test match. I've yeah. Yeah. never seen that one. before. I mean, it's got to the stage where, I mean, if you get within 15 points of this All Blacks team, you sort of go, hey, we had a pretty good night tonight. And the discussion has moved on from whether they'll win to 18 test victories in a row it would be... Are they one of the great sporting teams of all time? Brazilian soccer
1: teams. I mean, yeah. Boz, they've been mm. dominating for a century. Yeah, they have. And, look, the, you know, I used to think that they'd mastered the art of peaking in between world Cups, yes. but they got that right as well. <laughs> yes. um, look, look, this record has to break at some stage, you know, and it might break this weekend. We don't know. Yeah, that 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 bet sounds quite interesting. You're enticing. a glass half full. <laughs> yes. yeah, no, you know, you heard the, I'm very encouraged by the words I heard by the manager, Michael Checker, because it's just yeah, it's a, it's a very so long, long time, but it has ago. to break at some stage. What were you it, doing yeah. in
0: 1986?
4: I have no idea. Really? I've been born you in that
1: regard,
0: actually. Uh, this might have been you in 1986. <laughs> 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 oh, <wow. laughs> no, exactly. what you would Look
4: at that. Oh, How oh, <laughs> did you find that?
0: <laughs> City
5: of Churches, little <laughs> house <didn't really laughs> laugh on the pram, little house on the seagull, seagull. What Look I said at the start. I love
1: it these things come out in the meeting, don't they? they don't, I don't didn't they know badly. you were Joanie out of happy Days.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: you are missed
0: at some point. Exactly. <laughs>
4: it's nearly. It's called Adelaide. Uh,
0: right. it's city of Churches. Where he can get his tape measure out again. All right. <laughs> to the he national rugby the championship, where uh, Melbourne Rising's ja- uh, Jack Debrisoni probably doesn't want this on his highlights reel. It's just beautiful. Well, <laughs> oh. Just wandering around aimlessly and hit in the head with the ball. <laughs> 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 Not completely happy with the result, obviously. Uh, and there he goes. A little bit of a falcon, which. I think it's better to get hit in the head with a shoe rather than a football, which is what happened to Corey Joseph in the NBA. Now, look closely. Clippers, Jamal Crawford, he lost the size 14. Blake Griffin picks it up, throws it into the face of the moon. Away he goes. Wow. Beautiful use of a shoe. Yeah. He's Nothing wrong with that. in danger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in danger with no foot involved. Mm-hmm. Quite clearly, uh, there's nowhere to go from there except this week's top five bizarre shoe moments in sport. <laughs> oh, my
2: yeah. You've lost Look, it. Yeah,
0: we've lost it. Yeah, so another cool. NBA <laughs> moment. Look, use the shoe to actually get... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To get their and, and it works. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Worked brilliantly. Got the ball out of the opponent's hand. Four, this is the Waratahs, uh, oh. Nick Phipps. He tackle the tackle cool. around the ankles can also be used... <laughs> Purl the shoe <laughs> into the crowd. Number three. Now this guy lost his boot, but with uh, no time to put it back on, he wants to get involved in the play because the ball goes down towards his, his end. Thinks he can't get that. Keep going. Watch where he is. scores the goal with his. Oh, oh, How good is that? Outstanding. Uh, Number two. Now this next guy. he also loses his boot. He misses the goal. He does manage to find the baby here <laughs> with <laughs> the shoe. There you go. That's <laughs> half a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> 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 number one, though. This boxer is just coughing after hammering, until who comes into the ring to help him out? (laughs) Mum with a shoe! (laughs) (laughs) She's not finished, yet. (laughs) Get (laughs) him! I love it, all the shoes. I didn't mention Sloshy's shoe once, (laughs) those buffs. All right, the Houston Rockets have unearthed the secret weapon ahead of the NBA season. Shinano Anuaku and the underhand free throw. Look at that. Straight through. A little bit nicked. I Louis know, Louis. that's but go.
1: Richie that, That's legal, is it, in yeah.
0: basketball? Yeah, that's okay. absolutely 100 Richie Cunningham.
1: OK. Yeah.
5: okay right. Happy days. Yes. We're back to Kelly. We're back, back to Kelly Park.
0: We're picking on you, Kelsey. let it up one more time. Coming up, we talk racing with the man they call the Pumper. Two-time Melbourne Cup winning jockey Jim Cassidy joins us next. and running in the 1983 melbourne cup 250 meters left to go Kiamare being tackled by mr jazz and noble Comet. mr jazz on the outside noble comment the center Kiamare. no fear running on noble Comet on the inside and mr jazz noble comment takes the lead kiwi kiwi will beat the Power, the big champ, the king, joins the greats of the turf. a might and power in front, close the home, go, Remus coming at him on the outside, they go to the mode. But it's Ha Ha Slipper, Ha won the Golden Slipper. Dear Debbie, Cassidy winds the clock back to it. He's fifth stick So Star with 100 metres to go, got the sidestep, and Jimmy's got his
6: 100. I'm very honoured, very thankful to all the trainers and owners over the years that have supported me and given me opportunities. I mean, to say, without them doing, I wouldn't be here today.
2: You check this out right here.
0: Yes, yeah, who better to talk horses than the man who won two Melbourne Cups, a legion of fans and a book's worth of fantastic stories and controversy, Jim Cassidy, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you very you much. Uh, this you. is the book right here, and it's a brilliant read. Uh, loving every, every word of it. Well, before yeah. we get to talking more about that and the, the spring carnival, just got to clear something up in my head. Uh, you retired... The day after you appeared on this show last year, last year I did. was it something we said? <laughs> it was all that good advice I got <laughs> leading into the spring. <laughs> How has retirement been for you? Yeah, You're missing eating lettuce in the sauna. I'm missing the competition,
6: being out there, being aggressive, and get the blood boiling and attack, especially this time of the year, big races. But on the other side of the fence, loving it. Yeah, doing a bit of work for Ladbrokes and doing. Uh, guest speaking, doing a bit of work for Group 1 in Melbourne and and just getting around the race clubs, giving something back to what they give me.
1: And Jimmy, Jamaica won the Caulfield Cup on the weekend. You won that in 1997 with Might and Power and you said that when you went through the finish line, you knew you were going to win the Melbourne Cup. Do you see any similarities? Do you think Jamaica can do that? Totally different
6: era. Um, Might and Power, you could probably put Jamaica inside him, as in size. Mm. 600 kilos. But look, she done nothing wrong on Saturday. The, The Turnbull run when Hartnell blew her away... Uh, is always the best form for the Caulfield Cup. And she runs second to to Hartnell in the Turnbull, and she's blowing this lot away on on Saturday. So, against the odds, they say she can't win the Melbourne Cup because of the weight, but I think she's fired in. I think she deserves to be uh, a big chance of winning it. Mm -hmm. Uh,
5: Jimmy, in your book, you write about Kiwi uh, winning the 83 Melbourne Cup, and I, I love watching that race. But did you honestly think, as you're coming around that final bend, the Kiwi could win? Or were you checking out some good-looking girls in the birdcage there? Were are we <laughs> thinking about this, supermarket well, yeah. an, like the supermarket shop? Because it's like the race call, I think, ben, doesn't call it right to the end. He Even he in, doesn't see it. Did you believe? He doesn't get to
6: the end, yeah. Look, the whole plan was to be getting to them roughly at the clock tower, which uh, you can see coming up very shortly. This is where we are. We had to be wound up there. Uh, to come from where he did mm. was incredible. He won the Wellington Cup the same in the, that, that year prior to coming to Melbourne and Look, I was 20, I was confident that he could do it and uh, he was able to do it from last to first, amazing. Yeah. Jimmy, we
3: talked about fast horses, what about slow ones? When, when you <laughs> arrive back to scale and you think this horse is dead set hopeless and you've got owners there looking at you expectantly, we've all done it, how do you
6: break the news? Like, is, it, is there an art to it? Do you give it to them straight or do you kiss and cuddle them? You've got to give it to them straight, really, because they're wasting the money. But I did say to Ray Murray he prided me retiring with the the horses I was getting, I didn't think were that competitive. So I did ask Ray one day, I said, can you please call the ambulance drivers in and ask them to slow down? I said, because I'm sick of them beating
0: me home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like horses that do different things. Horses apparently have different personalities. Winks uh, doesn't like people at all, I understand. Now, I don't even you can check this is a, a bit of a wayward horse. I don't know if it reminds you of anything you ride, right, because you had a horse called Cruising, which didn't mind embarrassing you a little bit. Look at <laughs> this one. Surely should win even now, but...
3: Whoa! <laughs> are, are there horses
6: that are just contrary and do that sort of stuff? Look, they've, they've got a mind of themselves. I've seen a horse be in front with 50 metres to go and actually get on the running rail and go over it. <laughs> <laughs> just another way to do your money is a pun.
4: Can I put you under the pump? Excuse the pun I didn't mean to say that, but Hartnell or Winks this weekend? I think Hartnell. Uh, going to be a tough race.
6: I'd love to see a bone crusher, our Waverly Star finish again when they yep. both take off at the 1,000 and, and make it head to head, but I just think his Turnbull win was so good. Jamaica's backed that up winning the Cup and I, I think he's going to take a lot of beating. And the Melbourne Cup? I'm warming to one called Bondi Beach at the moment, Uh, one of Lloyd Williams' horses in Melbourne. Lloyd loves to buy them horses for the Cup. A year early last year, I think it'll run terrific this year. And
4: should Michelle Payne get a ride in the Melbourne Cup this year? She won in in stall earlier today?
6: I'd love to see her get a ride. I thought she was brilliant. I was honoured to be there. I'd been going to Flemington for 38 years. To be there and see her win the Cup was outstanding.
3: Mm. Jimmy... your book on a serious note was syndicated the other day when you were disqualified for three years and it was quite brutal, your story, wasn't it? Taking the kids out of private schools, uh, having to work in incredibly hot conditions, labouring. Like, it was it must have been a terribly stressful time of your life, was it?
6: Oh, look, it was hard. I, I suppose with the media, sad for racing that it was as big as it was. Um, but thankfully, there was no other charges laid. I was cleared of, uh, cleared of any criminal activity through that and... It was just the same that it made it so bad, but being four-foot nothing, it was all right to get down on the cellar at Belmones and, uh, and do some um, some tiling th- and things like that. It was different. It what was, was the toughest thing you did, the day where you thought, oh, I can't do this? Probably trying to drink eight or ten stubbies about three o'clock with
0: the rest of the Laborers. <laughs> <up. laughs> LAUGHTER those jockey tapes, I also talked about, uh, you know, groups of jockeys getting together to achieve a result, which, again, was not yep. improved a- at all. Uh, would they have done anything as silly as I'm sure it didn't happen at the weekend, but I love this result at Gosford? One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, uh, seven. <laughs> Isn't that extraordinary? That's amazing. <laughs> Some 14-year-old probably won $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Books, uh, as I said, called Pumper, uh, with the help of Andrew Webster, Andrew Webster. A, a absolute great a Done a marvellous job, yeah. Webby. Now, I mean? understand that uh, it was a journo who coined the term pumper as a name about 1987. Yes. Now, I'd, I'd never known what pump was for. I had a few ideas, I suppose, but I didn't know why it was. But it's, it's about method of riding, kind of the go up and down on the horse.
6: Method of riding, um, upper body strength, I call it, being able to lift them. Uh, I was lucky I was able to do that on a number of occasions. A lot of jockeys probably get a little bit high in the saddle. I was taught to get down low and lift and
0: And pump as as such. But how do you... Apart from, you know, going the whip, how do you get the maximum amount of speed out of this huge animal underneath you?
6: It all becomes being a passenger, being... Try try to be one, make yourself one with the horse. The lower you sit, the less air you're taking in. um, And being able to sit low and and feel the power and use it at the right time. It's all timing and balance, uh, coordination and, and trying to make yourself become one.
5: Jimmy, we see like YouTube videos of just racing being held in shocking conditions with birds and mist and mud. What was the worst? Is there one? Is there one ride that sticks in your mind that was just a
6: shocking conditions to, to perform I, in? I think the hardest one is visibility. When the tracks break up uh, early in the day and you get a lot of rain, taking those goggles off and just having your eyes actually nearly bleeding with dirt—that's uh, that, the hardest. Visibility, seeing with the rain. And the dirt coming back into your eyes. It's,
0: it's pretty tough. much impossible. It's a very tough uh, gig riding horse. This, this is just last week. I don't know if you saw this. I'm not sure that was visibility was a problem uh, for this jockey, but uh, coming along, doing okay, but you can just see this isn't going to end well. Uh, just... <laughs> he, gets, he gets over the line. <laughs> I don't know what's
6: <laughs> I look rough on a few, but I never look that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I do which... love this book. I love the honesty <laughs> of this book as well. I love all the great stories within it. But as the... Uh, you've said that, you know, the, what, what, things that go on with racing. As a punter over this period, lots of people who don't do it regularly will be throwing some cash at yep. various horses. These days, can they expect each of those horses to be allowed to run at their maximum? Oh, look, for sure. Look, the,
6: the whole policing of racing now has gone to another level. There, there's more cameras... Uh, there's more integrity uh, units being set up to to minimise um, the the innuendo that goes on in racing. But, look, it's a very clean game. It's, uh, I've let a few cats out of the bag here, but, as I said, I've done the crime, I've done the time.
3: Was it true Don't... that uh, just uh, at the end of your career, the last day, first bet, you went up, to the TAB, and you, you hit
6: the jackpot. Is that true? That's a true story, 100%. I, uh, I invested $50. I actually... Chris Waller's wife, Stephanie, we had a little function on the last day when I retired, and I got Chris Waller to come up and speak. I said, Chris, you've got to give the family one winner. The last race was the Jim Cassidy farewell. He goes, my horse will win the last race, Cawthorn's power. So I've gone up to the tote, spent $50, stood out the sixth, took 3, five, ten, eleven 11 to run second, third and fourth, Sure enough, it wins. I full of pen and ink during the day. I'm looking at the tote, and I said to my wife, Gee, darling, I've invested $50 and I've won $4,800. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, Have another look, Jimbo. She said, It's $40,800 oh, <laughs> for a $50 outlay. I got the first
0: four. <laughs> so the first thing I done was
6: run Ray Murray here. I said, Quick, come and have a drink, pump, shout. <laughs>
0: Is the book Jim Cassidy is our guest. Thank you so much. for thank, so thank, thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank you for having me very in very again. Very Coming very up, champ well. of thank the you. week. That's next. Around. Yeah.
1: Taken you four years. <laughs> 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 Four years. Four years. I knew it was coming. You know how they target Jonathan Thurston because he's the best player. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same
0: Thank thing. you, Bob. Yeah. All right. Do you remember Warnie uh, from a charity golf day? I think this is last year. Uh, I'm not sure. He did very well, raised money for his charity. He, he, the shot wasn't so great. From the other angle, he may well yeah, have been targeting the photographer on the left, oh. <laughs> <or> <laughs> <laughs> member oh, no. of the media. Well, look, we all know Warnie's had some work done, including on his swing. Uh, this is from last <laughs> week's celebrity pretty hero challenge. Look at that shot crash. Straight up onto the green. Doesn't he love it? (laughs) Champion. under pressure. You know, he just loves it. Loves Mm. it. Mm. Lifts. Mm. Well done, Warnie. All right, time now for our champ of the week. Now that we're here, I'm not sure why we've decided Mark Marquez is the champ of the week. By winning in Japan on Sunday... He's now the 2016 MotoGP champion, which, to be honest, takes a bit of the excitement out of this weekend's Aussie MotoGP at Phillip Island. Still, he's become the youngest rider to win the title three times. US Championship rivals Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo crashed out in Japan, making life much easier for the Spanish star, who is our champ of the week. Sadly, that is where we have to leave you. Thank you so much. Thanks for suffering that. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of Fox Sports.